delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big show coming your way. We're going to have a chat to Mark Winterbottom. Big milestone coming up for Frosty. 600 supercar races next weekend in Perth. It'll happen on the first race too so you can get over and done with nice and early. But that'll be great to talk to Frosty about that and also his memories of the past 20 years of driving in supercars. Mark Walker and Richard Crowell also to join me to talk about what's been a big week in motorsport as always all that to come right here on the grid you're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world on the grid all right joining me as always off the top of the program richard crow good afternoon buddy hi shebex how are you fantastic thank you mate fantastic uh how was your weekend? Nice and quiet? Another big week in sport. Spent most of it watching the footy, I'm not going to lie. It was all based within about 15 k's of home, which was excellent, but uh, lots of motorsport to talk about as well. So looking forward to diving into all of that as the show progresses, Tony. We certainly are. And of course, supercars making their way off to Perth for the next round of the championship. And a man that's been in the series now for 20 years, his first year as an enduro driver, then full-time the year after that, and he comes up to 600 supercar races. His name is Mark Frosty Winterbottom, and he joins us for a chat now. G'day, Frosty. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, guys. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks, mate. Congratulations. What an amazing milestone. Yeah, it is. It's uh, you know, it's funny in this sport, you, um, you don't really think about stats yourself, but there's so many PR guys at the teams that remind you of stats, uh, every, you know, regularly. And, um, you know, I knew this year was 20 years, so I knew it was my 20th year, which I thought was was really cool, you know. I thought that was a good number. Um, and then, yeah, the 600 races, I guess, it's a great number, but then to see what company you're in is uh, is really cool, you know. I know Lowndes is number one, I think, and Gus um, second most. And now to be in that 600 club and, you know, join an elite group is a pretty cool uh Pretty cool stats. So, um, yeah, hard to know how you feel about it when you're still racing because you're still thinking about what's to come. Um, but, uh, yeah, obviously, yeah, it's a great um, great achievement and one I'm really proud of. Yeah, I was going to ask, Frosty, is it a source of pride? Do you, do you look back and go, you know, I'm, I'm accomplished things that not an enormous number of people in our sport with its massive history, its rich history, have actually achieved in their lifetimes? Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's funny, you know, like you race the sport and um, there's there's so many factors that you can, I guess, call an achievement, you know, like we all think race results and trophies and that's an achievement, but, um, you know, to survive in a sport for for so long in something that's super competitive, you know, I think we've got one of the most competitive forms of motorsport in the world, um, you know, it's tough, it's tough to get a drive, let alone maintain one, you know, I think when I was young, getting into the sport was the dream, but, um, but you know, you never thought once you get in, you never know how long you're going to last, you know, that's just sport. You, you work your backside off to get in and then you last a year and two years and three years. And, um, you know, now 20, uh, it, I guess it's, you know, having the bosses and the sponsors and, you know, team owners and crew and engineers and everyone that has to go with it to make this sport work, um, you know, support you and have trust in you for so many years. That's, the thing I, I guess I feel really, um, you know, really proud of because uh, you're not just driving. You, you have crews that follow your places. You have people that sign up to teams because you're there. It's That's a cool feeling, you know, and um, 
and you you get to drive the ship, I guess. And that that's probably the thing I'm proudest of that people like me and and um, respect me, and that's that goes a long way. Over the twenty years, there's been a few iterations of Mark Frosty Winterbottom. There was the young gun who came into Larkin Motorsport to to kick off, uh, then into the pin-up boy, I suppose, with the Pepsi Mac type stuff and and all the, the things that went around that, to the champion, uh, Mark Winterbottom, and now to the sort of, uh, I don't want to say, but the older statesman, Mark Winterbottom. <laughs> How have you coped with those ever-progressing changes of you as a person and also as a driver? Uh, I think it's funny. Like I think, um, you know, different things motivate you for this sport and, um, the great part is it's always changing. What your role is always changes, you know. Like I think, um, you know, the years at Tickford were, were fantastic and very successful. You know, we had a very strong team and, um, and you know, we were fighting for championships and we were the factory forward team. It was a pretty cool team to race for, you know. I think I was very lucky to, to get into that position and, um, you know, I hope I did. You know, with the faith they gave me, I hope I, I repaid it. But... Um, and then your next chapter, you know, with, with Charlie um, has been a lot of fun. You know, I think getting, you know, it's, it's hard work getting to a team where the small, it's smaller resources, um, you know, when I joined him, he was 23rd on the grid. Um, but, you know, he's a, a very passionate boss who is so successful in his life. And the only thing that's not winning at the moment is his race team. So, um, you know, we're, we're putting all the things in place to try and make sure that happens. But you know, joining him has, has been a lot of, uh, you know, a different role, definitely a different role as well. So, um, yeah, you're always changing. You've got to be versatile in this sport and know what your role is at the team because ultimately, uh, like I said just before, people come to work on teams because you're there and things like that. Um, you know, the, the next challenge is to get Charlie's team to the front. I don't think we're that far away, which, um, you know, might seem like a surprising comment sometimes to some, but... I feel like we're we're actually in a good position now where, um, you know, I think podiums and race wins can happen this year. So, um, yeah, always playing a different role, but ultimately, end of the day, it's about winning. You know, one person wins and 25 tell you what they did right or wrong and how they're going to change it, you know. So your role's always changing, but the same goal doesn't, and that's, that's winning races. We'll, we'll talk about where Team 18's at in a minute, but I, I just wanted to reflect on your... Tickford time or for performance racing or the many iterations that it, it sort of evolved through during your time there. But I, I don't think your results with that team are given enough cred in the sport. But when you go back and look at it, so across a decade, you, you never finished lower than sixth in the championship. You were in the top three in the championship seven occasions. You won a Bathurst and a title. I mean, that's an incredibly long period of sustained success for one driver at one team in this sport. And, and you have to look at people like Scafe at HRT or Lowndes at HRT before you can find an equal to that. So just, just talk to that period, Mark, and, and what it was like having that sustained period of running at the front of, as, as you said, one of the most competitive circuit racing championships in the world. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was, it was a good, really good part of your life. You know, you, you'd rock up to a race meeting knowing that you can win. You rock up to that day and um, you, you're there to win. And if you don't, you haven't done a good enough job. You know, that was – so a lot of pressure comes with that. But as a driver, you know, I, I always have thrived off pressure. And if you've – you know, as long as it's realistic pressure, if the car's there to do it, then you're paid to do it. Um, you know, I've always loved that 
rocking up to a track and being a chance to win. And, um, you know, it was a really good team. Tickford um, for Performance Racing Pro Drive uh, was a really strong team, you know, and you were fighting for the Blue Oval. That was that was a really cool feeling and a good part of your life. And, um, uh, yeah, winning Bathurst and winning the championship and um, coming so close so many times and, uh, you know, that side. And then also, I guess, being being there and seeing guys like Chaz come through and Cam as teammates and Richo and Davo and it was a very strong team and, and a really good environment so um no I loved it but you know rocking up week in week out I think it's funny you know people these days talk about and it's and it's a and it's a bad way to look at it in my opinion but people always say how long it's been since a podium or how long it's been since a win but um you know, I could roll back with I've had over a hundred and something podiums, and you know the, the stats that I, I get confused about. People think about the droughts, not about what you've done. Mm. Um, so you know that era, I could, you know, uh, very good part of my life, really, and um, yeah, really good results. So, um, but you know, that's what the sport is, isn't it? You have good equipment, and you're the person behind the wheel to to do it. And um, yeah, we we got a lot of good results here with a, a lot of good people, really, and great sp- sponsors and great supporters and um you know a lot of that i guess belief in forward light at that team so uh, it was a it was a great team to to help get to the front and and let's say at Wanneroo in a week's time you lift team 18 and they win a race how would that stack up against those big moments at tickford what what level of satisfaction would that deliver you because i get the feeling it would be pretty big yeah um oh, i'm super motivated to see Charlie with a first place trophy. That's, um, you know, I've got a lot of respect for Charlie and, you know, um, you know, he, he really works hard at, and really wants it. And, um, him and I are very, very similar people. So to, to win it with that team, you know, some of that team have only ever worked at team 18 and they haven't tasted the success that, you know, I've been lucky enough to taste, you know, my expectation is to win every race. That's kind of what you sign up to do. And, um, you know, there's, there's factors that stop you otherwise, I guess. But, you know, the guys and girls at the team haven't had that win. So that'd be amazing. But um, my other opinion on it is that you want to win run, one race, but I don't want to be a flash in the pan. I want Team 18 to win like that's Tickford days where you roll up to the track and say, hey, we finished fifth, fifth. That's not good enough. That was the Tickford mentality. And that was how it had to be back then, um, you know, to, but it takes time. You can't be unrealistic. So you take one win and, couple of bad ones and and another win but um yeah to get in a position where we're competitive week in week out fighting for podiums and and anything less is you know uh, not not a fail but not good enough um that's where i want the team to be so um but yeah you'd you'd start with that win first be pretty happy and um yeah to come in and see the crew and and all the work and efforts and and the first time to see him at a podium getting trophies would be uh would be really cool I was just about to say that, and I don't want to be one of those people that comes up with stats and it's been a while since a podium, but for Team 18, there hasn't been a podium yet. You've had plenty of bloody fourths, but you're <laughs> close, but you just haven't got to that step yet. I feel that that would be as much of a win first up just to get onto a step. Yeah, it would be, but I don't know. I'm, I'm wide different, um, Shebex. I think, like, for me, third is, like, two behind first. I'm just yeah. wide. I, I'm wide different. So you get a trophy for third, you don't get one for fourth, but does third mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like, um, obviously I like trophies and champagne. It tastes good, but um, I want to win. I want to win the race. I don't want to necessarily finish third and fill the cabinet full of third places. Um, I want to fill them with wins. So, um, you know, I think, I think we're in a pretty good place. Like I think uh, Grand Prix, 
we showed a lot of speed. We topped a practice session. We were probably top five pace in every quali. Our race pace wasn't good enough, but um, it's easier to make a fast car survive than a slow car go fast, you know. So, um, and then just got to get through lap one and all those dramas that went with it. That's probably, uh, you know, every 600 races, I got more experience than that. So if I'd had hindsight, I'd um, put my car in different positions at the Grand Prix. But, um, but yeah, just, I think we're closer than what it looks. So, um, you know, it'd be an incredible feeling, but it doesn't matter if it's the 600th race or yeah. 500th race or 510th, I'll take a win anytime. So, mm. uh, yeah, but would be nice to do it in Perth for sure. Uh, Gen 3, where's it at? Um, the, the brief racing we got at Albert Park was awesome. It was it was a hell of a show. That that struck me as being a really big tick for those cars and a, a good test on a high-speed circuit. I, I know there's a lot more to come, but where are you at? Where, where are you at with your package and, and the evolution of not just within Team 18, but the car overall and, and as a driver, what you're experiencing so far? Yeah, I like it. Can I add to it? Yeah. Has this been the craziest start to a season <laughs> for you guys? <laughs> well, it's... Um... Oh, first, I think the car's really good to drive. Like, I like it. It's it's getting mixed opinions up and down pit lane. But, um, you know, I thought the, the previous car was – it's good if you had a ridiculously large engineering business, but not great <laughs> if you were a, a smaller team that couldn't go down and build something new. So, um, you know, for me, I, I really like the car. I think having a catalogue where you can buy stuff, um, you know, is really cool. And the car actually to drive, it's not perfect. They don't – do what the other car did, but um, it kind of reminds me of the early days of why I fell in love with these with this car and this sport, you know. So um, I really enjoy driving it. Um, racing wise, they don't crash well. That's the mm. that's the downside, you know. I, I um, had the minor hit on on in one spot, and I almost ripped the rear end out of it. Where last year's car would have just pressed on and dropped a tenth and plucked another gear, and off we go. So. Um, yeah, very fragile in that way. So there's a few things that need to be tidied up on it for sure where you can't just have a small hit and the rear end fall out. So, um, uh, but yeah, and then the racing, like you said, um, you know, at one point I was going through the fast left, right, thinking I was going to just aero wash the guy behind me big time and he passed me in the next corner. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's actually nice. You can follow um, and not and a faster car will pass you. That's just how it is. So, um I think it's good. I think it's really – they've done a good job with the car and stuff. We've just got to strengthen up a few bits. And obviously, even the rules are down to what bolt you can use on the car. So you can't just go and fudge, um, you know, something to make it stronger. It's all got to be done by the rules. So as a sport, at least when there's one problem, we all get exposure to it and it gets fixed. And, um, you know, I think it's I think it's great for the sport. I think it's going to get through these teething issues and um, and take off and – they look cool. They actually sound really cool too in the car, like being an enthusiast or whatever. Mm. Um, when I first drove it, I was just, I, I was kind of revving it. They were telling me to stop revving it in the pits. I just like the note of it. I thought it was <laughs> full Bogan spec coming out. But, um, you know, and that's why I guess, you know, when people say, you know, when you do a lot of races and how you stay motivated, like if you don't enjoy driving this car, like I, it's so much fun. It actually is a lot of fun and you sound like that teenage teenage kid again, you know. It's it's really revamped it, so um, it's a it's a good car. Was there a bit of a concern for you guys when we had the couple of uh, fires to the cars? Was there sort of a thing that went through the garage just to say maybe we need to do this, maybe we need to do that? Watch out for this. Um, well, it wasn't affecting the Camaro, so I guess from my point of view, yeah. um, I hadn't seen it happening, and it looks like it was um, 
the, the, the bit on the four that was catching it was uh, was a little bit worse on the four than what the Camaro was. But, um, you know, I've been on fire before at Bathurst. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those things. And um, never do you fear that you're going to get hurt or anything like that, you know. So if every car caught on fire, you'd still start the next race going, well, it's not going to happen to me. That's just how we're, we're wired. I don't know if it's just we're not intelligent, we're wired different, but um, it doesn't, yeah, you never ever think of something like that, you know, happening to your car. It's like it's always someone else's till it is yours, you know. But, um, but yeah, it is a concern, you know, when you see guys trying to jump out of it. And um, the worst part's when they spray the extinguisher in the car because it cuts all the oxygen and it literally feels like you're, you're choking and you're starved of oxygen. That's a, the flames are not scary. It's the, it's the aftermath that, um, you know, you cough up that fire extinguisher stuff um, for the next week and you can feel it burning up the, uh, up the lungs. Like that's what happened after Bathurst. So, um, yeah, I feel for those guys that had it. But, you know, like I said, I, I didn't roll out Sunday wondering if mine was going to happen. I just, you just press on, you know, yeah. it's one of those things. Unless it happens to you, it seems like it's not a problem in this sport. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a couple of cars that look pretty bad on TV for sure. Yeah, it wasn't a great look. And the, the crashability thing's weird because NASCAR had exactly the same problem with their new car they rolled out last year. They just don't crash as well as the previous-gen cars. I don't know if it's 10 years of development or whatever, but, yeah, it's it's an odd one. Um, last one from me, uh, you and Scott Pye have been teammates now for a couple of years at Team 18. Just, just talk a little bit about that relationship and especially now in this new era with the new car, how important it is you've got two quite experienced guys in the sport now, the couple hundred starts at least between the two of you. Um, how's that paying off for Team 18 to help develop these cars and get them to the front even quicker? Yeah, I bumped his race start average up, haven't I, for the yeah. top 100, <laughs> so 450 each sounds good, doesn't it? Um, no, he's good. Like I think, um, you know, having Scott there and myself, we, we really push each other quite hard and um, to the point where Charlie felt comfortable that, we don't need other teams' data and stuff like that, you know, like we we can use each other's data well. Um, the two engineers both work together really closely. Um, so, you know, we just got to make sure that uh, we're both, you know, and we are asking for the same things, which is great. We drive the car. A good car you just drive, you know. It's funny, like people say this person's driving style is this and that guy's – if the car's fast, you find a way to get it around. And he's he's had a very similar upbringing to me where – He's had to hustle his whole life a bit, so um, he, he drives the car hard, he drives it well, and, um, yeah, we drive very similar. So, um, yeah, he's, he's been good, and uh, the new car, I think we can keep developing, keep pushing each other, and uh, one of us hopefully get a yeah get that result quickly, and if one gets it, the other car's going to get it straight after because they are reacting very similar and driving the same. So, um, yeah, he's been good, and... Uh, yeah, let's see if we can get these cars up the front together and work hard together and fight each other at the end of the year. That'd be that'd be nice. Nice. Well, last one from me, mate. You uh, you love the outdoors lifestyle, and it seems to fit in well with what you're doing at the moment. You get the opportunity to to head up the Murray and do some fishing and some four wheel driving, and the kids are growing up and all that sort of stuff. What's the future? Well, do you do you sit down now at 600 races and think, what is the future for me? Where are we going with this? No, not really. You know, you know, in, in you always um, people get distracted. I think in in life, and they always, you know, if I do a good job with supercars, I don't need to do anything else. So if I win races, I'll keep getting employed, and that's my only focus right now is um, to go to Perth and just dominate all three. That's like sounds arrogant, but that's 
my focus and I'm, I'm not really thinking about anything else because if you do what you do well and, and people are going to keep employing you, you know, and that's, that's my goal. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky I get, you know, I think that's what's kept your motivation high is when you get away from the track, you actually can switch off and do other things. And um, I don't own a hotted up car that I work on during the week. I don't own a race car. I don't own a go-kart. I don't own anything like that. I get right away from it. We go basketball with the kids. We play footy. Um, they dabbled in a go-kart the other day and still want to play football and, and basketball. So we're not a – How related to you. Which is good. It doesn't mean I have to work as long now because it's cheaper. But, um, but that you know, keeps you grounded and keeps you – I can't wait for Perth. And it's because even after one of the toughest weekends we've had at uh, the Grand Prix, you don't dwell on it. You come home, you cuddle your kids, you know, do your stuff at home and then rock up at Perth ready to go and it, it keeps you young and fresh. So, um, yeah, who knows? Who knows what it is? But, uh, um, yeah, try and keep winning races and if I'm doing that, I'm doing a good job. Did you catch dinner, mate? Did you catch dinner today? Or? <laughs> uh, I have too big a family, so uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, when I come home, we've put the barbecue on, and it's not for fish. So, <laughs> well, mate, hopefully that win isn't too far away. As you said, let's hope it is this weekend in Perth. Six hundreds race comes up, race one for you of the weekend on Saturday. We wish you all the best in that, and for the remainder of the season, mate. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. Right well here, Joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. As we say good day to Mark Walker, who joins us for the second part of the program. Hello, Mark. Hello, Tony Shebecki. Hello, Richard Crail. I meant to do a welfare check on the weekend. Were you all right without commentating stuff? <laughs> I, um, I've, I haven't watched as much footy, and we're talking Aussie rules football here for those of you listening internationally, uh, in a long time. And I, I got, I will admit, fully drawn into the gather round concept. And for those that might not know, the Australian Football League played all nine games of round five in South Australia and uh, started Thursday night, Friday, all the way through the weekend. Uh, and it, I, I was very, very interested to see how the AFL and the South Australian government did it because I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned about how we promote our sport. And and the interesting thing for mine was that we do gather around 20 times a year, really, when you look at it. The Adelaide 500 is a gather round for motorsport. It's most of the best teams all coming into the one spot. You know, Perth will be similar. Um, you know, the major straight circuit events are very, very similar. So... It was interesting to see it from from our little world where we do tend to bring a majority of the top series and teams together on regular occasions um, and watch the AFL experience that for the first time. Uh, and maybe it's something we take for granted. I don't know. But it was a genuinely very interesting weekend, aside from the fact that South Australia absolutely slayed it and it was a terrific event and it'll come back for, uh, for years to come. But... Um, yeah, really interesting experience watching that and, and not thinking too much about car racing, which was great. I do feel for South Australians though at the moment because it seems like your Premier may become the next Prime Minister. Is oh, good luck. All, if you, all, yeah, all you can't, no, him. you can't have him. No. All spotlights are on him at the moment though, aren't they? Well, do you know what, Shebex? When you get a politician that actually is a decent bloke, um, people tend to gravitate that way. <laughs> so... The yeah. fact they've got some policies to back it up is a remarkable bonus, but um, no one really cares about that. He's just a good lad. 
But uh, yeah, no, they've they've done a nice job. They've they've delivered. They bought the Adelaide five hundred back. They've got the footy, the motorsport festival. Um, they're golf going hard. And that's, that's great. Sorry, is it the golf this week? The live golf? Yeah, the uh, the 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 dodgy golf. Yeah, yep. Oh, well. <laughs> Sure, the, um, we like the, the Saudis, they're fine. The, the Vic government's had a big chop too with their talk this week about actually the having that motorsport complex come to life yeah. at Avalon and they're going to put $1.6 million into the groundworks for organising it and Motorsport Australia stepped up and said, we're going to run the joint for you. So um, very interesting. Built on Commonwealth land there at the... Avalon Airfield, it's in the middle of nowhere. No one lives near there. It's Perfect. a noisy place anyway. Uh, there is access to the freeway, so long as you're not having a massive event there, which <laughs> like an air show. turns to custard. <laughs> but it's been mooted to happen there for such a long time now, and finally it looks like the wheels are in motion that we'll see it happen. And it's something that needs to happen because Sandown's got a finite life. It's, uh, you know, whatever talk goes on there that they're going to keep the venue alive for let's say, seven years to cover the renovations at the other horse tracks in Melbourne, there's no guarantee that the Melbourne Racing Club are going to keep motorsport there. They've got a pro-Sandown board in place, but they're pro-Sandown horses. They're not pro-Sandown motorsport. And there's been nothing said from them that they're going to keep motorsport there for the long term. And there's been nothing said with motorsport having a seat at the table for the long-term planning at Sandown. So having something in place by 2027 at Avalon is a good thing for the industry. You're both Victorians. Um, Am I? One, well, yeah, let's be honest. You're, you're there now. Okay. Um, you're, what, what, what do we think? I mean, from an outsider looking in, that location strikes me as being just about perfect. You, you tap into Geelong, which is 500,000 people, Western suburbs of Melbourne, perfect. Even if you're down the other side of Melbourne, like you, Mark, if you leave early enough in the morning, you know, it's all motorway to get there. So it, it's not a massive hardship. It's going to be less than an hour to Tullamarine. Avalon's literally next door. It, it strikes me as a very, very perfect location for a car racing track, really. You're going to catch a Jetstar straight into Avalon so you don't have to deal with any of the garbage. You'd well, walk you next door. You get Jetstar first, don't you? Well, yeah, well, that's the only downside, but yeah, that's. But I, to be honest, I, I agree. Having it there is fantastic, but uh, honestly, for me, I would have loved to have seen some negotiation or some some dealing done with Calder and turn that in and refix that up. With the amount of money that they're going to spend at Avalon, they could have probably spent maybe a little bit less, if not the same, but had an absolutely amazing venue right next door to Tullamarine, which would service everyone a lot better than Avalon. The problem I would see with that is how long before all those houses in Keylor and that area that are very much within sight of the back of Calder Park and now have been yeah. accustomed to the place being dead quiet for 10 years, how how quickly would they start going full full uh, spring bale on it? Uh, but having gone down to the festival, the motorsport festival down there in the seafront in Geelong, what we figured out is that the best way to get home from the other side of Melbourne is to catch the ferry from Queenscliff and then you can yeah. sit on a boat and drink beer rather than have to drive through the centre of town. So there's yeah. ways around it and stay down Geelong. It, that's another one of those things like the Newcastle Street Circuit. Mm. You don't actually know that Geelong's a lovely place when you get yeah. down the waterfront there. Uh, hands on heart, I've never been there. I've never been to Geelong. Oh, it's it awesome. It yeah. never, it's just never been a place I've needed to go. 
Funnily enough, there's a bit of car culture around there for yeah, some reason. Yeah, funny, funny. Um, yeah, so I, that's exciting. It's great news. Any any investment, it's funny, isn't it, that how quickly things have shifted uh, from what was a reasonable doom and gloom little phase in circuit racing in Australia last year as far as racetracks go with the Wakefield Park debacle, with the Sandown question marks and all of that, to now we're getting an amazing new facility being built in Victoria, in, in the city that needs it second most, you'd think, to, to Sydney, another permanent circuit. And then Steve Shelley doing what he's doing up there in Benella and, and righting the wrongs that have occurred under the previous ownership and, and hopefully getting Wakefield Park up, but not only doing that, extending the place and making it better. Hmm. Um, it, it's That's a massive win over the last couple of weeks alone for, for permanent circuits in this part of the world, which is great. Well, there's a couple of things there. One, Calder, it's coming back. Um, mm. They're having circuit races there scheduled for later in the year, and the place looks pretty sharp. I've spent a bit of time out there this year, and it, it looks good, and they've got decent events like that drift event the other night. They had thousands of people there, mm. and it made a big noise. And, all you know, they have a lot of drag events out there every Friday night. They have drags on. So the, the place is being used a lot, and you can certainly see the improvements that they're putting in there, which is great. And like you said, Wakefield Park, you know, Michael Shelley, they're doing the right things out there. But a lot of that stuff, it's just playing the game. Yeah. With these motorsport venues, you don't go into it with a confrontational mindset that you're the motorsport circuit and we're having the right of way. You got to play the game. You got to run your cars with mufflers. You got to do all those things. You got to tick the boxes that you're not pissing off everyone, which is something that the previous management didn't seem to have a problem with that. They were just going to do things their way and hell to the rest of it. But, um, you know, when they brought back Lakeside, it was in a similar boat that it had a lot of issues with noise. It was a a circuit that was shut down and got brought back from the abyss. And when they brought it back, everyone just ran a muffler and you got on with it. You had quiet race cars and nobody cared because you're racing. Mm. The interesting thing for mine, Shebex, about this this circuit and being where it's based. Now, the owner of Avalon Airport Airport is Lindsay Fox, Lynn Fox Corporation, one of the biggest trucking companies in Australia, among other things. Now, Lindsay Fox also owns the Phillip Island Grand Prix circuit, and there have been decent rumours floating around the rumour mill in the last six months that the place could be on the market, if not now, at some point in the near future. So, A... I wonder if that happens. Uh, there are some upgrades being undertaken at Phillip Island at the moment, primarily for the two-wheeled side of things. So there's some safety improvements for, for MotoGP, and they need all they can get at the moment because they're knocking down riders at a rate of about five a weekend, the current season, the way they're going there. Um, but I wonder if that place changes hands as part of this and, and maybe Lynn Fox goes hard into this in a partnership with the government and Motorsport Australia. I'm just theorising here, but it would make all the sense in the world because it's only going to help prop up Avalon as a as a business as well by having something substantial and, and arguably, you know, one of the more important permanent venues in Australia located on its back door. So that, that could pose some interesting questions for Phillip Island. I don't think there'd be any shortage of buyers to go after that place either. So it could be a really interesting little time for uh, for circuit racing and permanent racetracks in this part of the world. Do, do you know any South Australians that just came into a billion dollars by any chance? <laughs> do you know what? I do, actually. <laughs> One or two. 
that's, well, that's I mean, they just need to put a little landing strip in there and uh, they need to put a little landing strip at their South Australian rice track. Oh, I've already got one of those. So, yeah, it, um, it'd be pretty pretty good, wouldn't it? Lovely holiday house too, just up there at the bottom of Lukey Heights. They could... Oh, yeah, look, it'd be tremendous. Absolutely. I'd, I'd build. Absolutely. <laughs> How many uh, supercar teams have been spending the last week or two scratching their head trying to work out how they can find that little bit extra out of what they've got? Or has there been a bit of a period of calm, do you think, since uh, the Grand Prix? Oh, all of them. Um, but a lot of it has been, I, I would suspect, a lot of um, just working out what's broken and what isn't, but not the overt stuff. And and the Brad Jones Racing have done a better job than any team in our sport at the moment in documenting this process. Oh, they seriously, they need a media award at the end of the year for it because the the videos they're doing with Brad Jones, short, sharp, concise, here's a front splitter, here's where it cracked. We didn't think it would crack there and we're going to have to send it back and get it fixed or fix it ourselves or whatever. Little stuff like that, really, really cool. Did a thing on the drive shaft differences and, and little things that have popped up on those cars that – you can never find in testing. The only way you can find them out is when you're bashing doors with someone at the Grand Prix, and, and that's what they're doing now. So, yeah, there'll be that. There'll be a lot of data analysis working out what the cars like and don't like, and they'll all be much better prepared going into to Wanneroo in a couple of weeks, no doubt about it. But then Wanneroo is a completely different challenge again, different surface, um, high tyre deg, short lap, um, those, those quite quick, fast-loaded corners, um, they're going to have to deal with the curbs again, that big curb up the hill there at turn three or four. Um, so, again, it's another another great challenge for Gen 3. And and I think if we get great racing like we did at the Grand Prix at Wanneroo, it'll be another big tick for the package. And then hopefully they've ticked some boxes from the reliability side of things as well. And I had to have a laugh that, you know, the, the story broke yesterday, Monday, our time about the, the centre of gravity testing they've been doing and they're miles closer than they've been in the past. So all all that parody hoo-ha is much of a muchness at the moment. The, the cars seem very evenly matched and turns out that uh, it's the good race teams doing the business at the moment, which is nice to see. It'd be interesting to see that whole grainy surface out there. It's been mm. another year since it's been relayed and... Those things do tend to degrade pretty quickly out there, so it'll be interesting to see how much tyre wear. I think that's going to be a bit of a talking point this weekend because obviously that first year up, wow, we're rocket ships, we're going fast and we're keeping the tyres under them. But now uh, it's something completely different to Newcastle, completely different to City Motorsport Park, uh, to Winton. It's, it's its own standalone sort of deal out there, so it'll be interesting to see who can come out on top. Yeah, next weekend we've still got another full week to go, um, yep. April 29, 30, that event. So there's still um, still lots of time before that round. It's quite a big break, isn't it, this mm. one? But but to be fair, to go to Perth, you probably need that. And then coming back, it's quite brutal because there's only two weeks and then they're the third week they're down in Tassie. So um, it's sort of one extreme to the other from one side of the country to the very, very bottom of it in, uh, in the space of three weeks. So you wouldn't want to be rolling out of Wanneroo with too much damage like we've seen the fire damage for example and those big front end hits that are doing more damage at the moment than they perhaps expected that's going to be uh, be an interesting one loved barry ryan's comment that uh his drivers will need to think like shane van gisbergen to beat 
Shane Van Gisbergen. And I sort of just seem to think that Will Brown and Brody Kostecki are probably two drivers that probably do think like Shane Van Gisbergen. They're a little bit off centre, aren't they? Well, why is it taking them five years to work it out? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. I don't know. The invitation's just a serious form of flattery, but it turns out it works. So I don't know. I don't know. That's great. It's a good story. I love the fact they're um I love the fact they're punching on. It's awesome. The Erebus what a good story it would be if Erebus win the championship this year. Mm. I'm not saying they're going to, but wouldn't that just be perfect? If you're sitting back in Supercar HQ, that's the result result you want from this year. You don't want Pro Drive to win it. You don't want Triple Eight to win it or Walk and Shaw. The teams that have been at the front consistently for the last however long, you, you want an Erebus or Brad Jones or somebody like that to win the title because that would be properly a good equalising story that, hey, look, this this new set of regs has actually done its job and it's opened the playing field. It's, it's given us an, an IndyCar-style playbook where pretty much any given team can win on any given day, which is which is what you want. I'm not saying they can win it, but can they win it? I think they can win it. Why not? Can they maintain the rage? Why not? Sure. I think they can. I don't think they. I don't think they will. Though. Well, compared to Triple Eight, thinking they can and whether they can are two different stories. I think they can. I'd like for them to do so. I think it would be a great story, but I can't see Triple Eight being content with being beaten every weekend. So they'll bounce back. Good race teams, good sports teams always do. Very, mm. very true. Uh, that's all we need to do there. We can talk more next week as we head up to race week. Uh, what happened in NASCAR this week, Mark? So they're at Martinsville. Uh, Stuart, Hart, right? Stuart Haas Racing and Denny Hamlin dominated. There was a late caution with a bit of strategy play. Joey Logano, Kyle Larson stayed out, and they went to the front with Larson winning on a track that he has typically been absolutely garbage at. A highlight was his skid that went the entire way around the track. So that was an absolute highlight. Half a mile. Look, I, I'm not <laughs> saying that the race was boring, but um, it did get me back to sleep after my kid woke me up at 4 a.m. Um, the burnout was somewhat more successful than John Hunter Nemechek's effort in the Xfinity race there when she won the night before, which practically burned his car to the ground. So that did not go well. <laughs> and that's your week in NASCAR racing. Long Beach had the Indy cars, Richard, and uh, Will Powers had an interesting start to the season, hasn't he? Oh, it hasn't been a brilliant start to the year for, for Wilbur, but he's getting points and he's still in that weird sort of zen-like 2022 approach where uh, it doesn't really matter if he can't win. He's happy to finish second or third or whatever it might be. So, um, and it won him a championship last season, didn't it? So that's very good. Uh, it was it was a good race. Lots going on. Uh, three winners from three starts. Andretti Autosport looked awesome. Uh, it was a bit of revenge of the Sith there. They, they've had a tough start to the year and Grosjean's been close and Scotty fenced him at St. Pete. But... Um, Cole Kirkwood, who has been one of the hottest young talents on the road to Indy and the most highly rated young driver for a long, long time, especially to come out of the USA, which they've been clamouring for. Um, he was awesome. Really impressive. Um, yeah, another good race, bit of carnage, bit of drama. Pato Award caused some mischief and there was a bit going on as well throughout the field as always. But, um, yeah, our, our boy savage some results, points for power, points for McLaughlin, solid. Um, the Penske's had good race cars, but just couldn't capitalise on it, apparently. But, um, 
you feel like it will come. They go to Barber next where they've always been strong and then it's off to Indy for the month of May with the Indy GP and then qualifying in the 500 at the end of May. So I think um, IndyCars is wide open as it's ever been. It's uh, mm. sensational. There are winners are plenty in that field. And um, when you got someone like Roman Grosjean getting frustrated that he continues to finish second, you know it's pretty good. And Marcus Ericsson, by the way, back in front of the championship again, um, he is really looking dangerous now. One at St. Pete, he's been in the top three or four every race. And um, with Chip Ganassi, he uh, is pretty good at uh, building championships as he hashtags in his tweets, I like winners. And uh, he's certainly got another one there. The, the Hondas seem to be a lot more in the conversation, especially mm. the Andretti cars this year, which is good for the competition. Yeah, well, they've been pretty average for the last couple, Andretti. So um, they needed a big, big change. And they had a big clean out with drivers. So Hunter Ray left, Kirkwood came in. Um, I think it's been really good. And that, that kid, very, very impressive from what everyone says. So uh, they've, they've got some decent awesome. drivers in the pipeline too still. They do, yeah, correct. Well, their their indie next stock is strong, so yeah, it's uh, it's great. I, I I'm yeah, it's going to be an exciting season for uh, for indie car racing. Looking forward to Barber. That's always a good race. It's funny that race is the one that you look at and go, "There's no way they'll put on a good race there." You know, really tight, twisty road course, but every year indie car puts on a great show at that joint. So uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Our young Aussies that we're keeping an eye on, uh, Tom Sargent in the North American Push Carrera Cup and also under McElroy in the Indy Lights. Yes. Well, I'll come to Tom in a minute. Uh, and Hunter wasn't racing this weekend. Okay. So uh, he uh, was just there to visit his old boy who was there running his race team. So uh, it was good of Hunter to pop in and visit visit Dad. Thanks, Tony. Good link there. Well, That's nice. what I was going to say with that little <laughs> wink. It's time for our hots and knots. Can we go HOTS first? Yeah, we can go HOTS first. I'll kick it off. Uh, my hot is the Long Beach Grand Prix. Uh, that is an event on my bucket list. Really want to get there. Want to do it. Looks awesome. It looks like how we do street racing here, which I'm all for. Um, so that's great. Uh, a big hot to Tom Sargent and to McElroy Racing for their performance in Crera Cup North America. Four seconds in four races so far. And boy, Tommy came very close on Monday morning our time. In the final race, a really good battle for the lead. Um, got passed early, repassed briefly. Good arm wrestle. Um, unfortunately, he whacked the fence in that fight and it, it just bent the rear cambers out a little bit. So the car wasn't perfect, but he drove superbly. He's opened a lot of eyes. Uh, been chatting to a couple of colleagues over there in the US this week and they're all going, hey, this this Tom Sargent kid is very, very good. So great story and well done to the McElroys who are second in Carrera Cup North America and lead Carrera Cup Australia, which is really impressive to do that on, on two sides of the Pacific. So um, that will be my hot for the week. Uh, have you got a sneaky way of watching that or a non-sneaky way? Uh, IMSA.TV. Really? Yep, yeah. every round. Oh, the coverage is excellent. You'll be amazed how much you can learn. If you'd gone to the at Porsche Motorsport AU uh, Twitter account, Mark, you would have seen a direct link to that actually really? posted oh, on the course of the weekend. But um, I don't want to tell you how to live your life. Jeez, I wish you did, though. <laughs> that would help. Yeah. No, that's great. Good racing. And the time zone was awesome because they were on after the IndyCar. So yeah. uh, IndyCar finished about 6.30 in the morning and roll into a Porsche race at 8.30 on a Monday morning is a nice way to start. The coffee and watch some Porsches. Tremendous. Yeah, good. Mark. Right. Well, we've got the official ambassador for the Barossa Valley on the call, but mm. I've got to put out a shout-out for the deep eastern suburbs of Melbourne. So I live 
in Berwick, which is right on the edge of Melbourne. So if you go at the Monash Freeway, we're sort of at the end of it. It's a nice place. It's nice. It's a nice area. Did the nice. Melbourne boundaries bring Berwick into the suburban? Or it may have already we're, we're in suburban Melbourne. It's definitely suburban, suburban Melbourne. We're, we're the end of it, though. So basically, with an hour of here, I've got Sandown, Albert Park, Phillip Island, and if the traffic's right, call the park. Uh, Drawn the Nyora Speedways. Right. What? Hey? Stop doing colder in an hour. No, I did the other night. The I traffic, yeah, yeah I didn't bloody midnight. <laughs> anyway, no, carry on. Carry it was on. 8, 8.30. But, uh, it was fine. Uh, so we've got Drawn Nyora. We've got Oakley and Todd Road go-kart tracks. We've got the Tech Driver Training Centre, Bryant Park, Rob Roy, uh, Packham Auto Club grounds are over the back fence, numerous museums and motoring things, other stuff. It's, there's so much going on. Any weekend, there's half a dozen things, motorsporty, that you can easily get to, which is great. And also with an hour was the Adder River Rally, a round of the Victorian Rally Championship. I was sort of there and I've gone, hang on, where is that? Wait a minute, that's an hour away from home. I can do that. <laughs> and it was just the best day. I've been to lots of rallies over the years as a commentator or a photographer or working there doing the PR. But that was the first time I've just turned up purely as a punter, and it was bloody awesome. A special hot goes to the dude in the EL Falcon that threw stubby holders out the window at all the specky oh. points on the rally. <laughs> and the dudes on the cans at 10.30 in the morning absolutely oh. loved it. It was huge. Such a good day out. I absolutely love that. So that was my uh, main hot for the day. Also, um, on Long Beach, extending yours there, Maddie Campbell, P3, the Porsches have yeah. done good. Yep. The, you know, that first uh, event out at Daytona, they weren't necessarily in the ball game, but they're absolutely there, one and three at Long Beach, which was uh, a really good result. And speaking of good results in North America, Tony Stewart, he won his first yes. ever national NHRA title, four wide nationals at Las Vegas. So he's now won titles in NASCAR, IndyCar, Sprint Cars, Midgets, Silver Crown Cars, <laughs> and now Top Alcohol. Get the bloke in a supercar. <laughs> what a, like a modern day Mario Andretti who can just drive anything. Like, And mm. that's something completely different. I mean, that's not in his wheelhouse where he's come from or what he's been good at over time. Tony Stewart. Uh, you are hot. My hot was going to be the uh, new track out at Avalon, but we've spoken about that. So my new hot is a congratulations to supercars on having the balls to change the regulations and bring standing starts into supercars. Fantastic work by them. <laughs> You're going to get more DMs over this, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, you got some last week too. Supercars going to fire up at you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not want your accreditation anymore? Or? <laughs> Apologies to all those qualified journalists out there. That oh, stop it. They right, knots. Good Here response. Go. Good response to last week. <laughs> now, on Saturday, um, I was interested to follow the uh, process of the Australian Formula Open Championship, which is run by a good friend of mine named Tim Macro. And they had a 27-car field running at Sydney Motorsport Park. Brilliant. Unfortunately, because of reasons possibly related to the promoter, there was no live streaming. Uh, so when one wants to follow a race, fire up the phone, one goes to Natsoft. Now, Natsoft, for those unaware, is the main race timing service in Australia. And they have a website and there's a live timing link. 
Uh, and unfortunately, what happened from Sydney Motorsport Park was that you'd click on the live timing and it would function, but you click on the race results and nerdy like me, you want to see what the qualifying times were and best laps and things like that. Uh, and there was nothing. Nothing. And there was nothing at 11 o'clock. And I went nothing. and got a coffee and I came back and there was still nothing. And it wasn't until mid-afternoon that someone clicked the button and made Upload. everything yeah. be uploaded, which was irritating when that's the only way. To, finish, uh, to follow what was going on at a round with no Blendline TV streaming hello to Daniel Beckinsale and his team. Wish you were there. Um, but that then just exposed the serious lack of excellence in Australia's race timing stuff. Now, this is proper nerdy stuff, boys. This is industri- hardcore industry gripe, but... When the interface is from the era, and I speak from experience, when you'd go, do you remember Yahoo GeoCities? You'd build those free websites online when you're a kid. And I'm talking high school here. Uh, and you'd build your online platform for your Grand, little Grand Prix 2 sim racing yep. league that you had. Um, this looks worse. Terrible. Um, but then there's the list of circuits. And the data entry is a sight to behold. For instance, if you're looking to find results from the circuit in Western Australia where the supercars are going in a couple of weeks, you can go to Barbagello Raceway, Wanneroo, and follow the link. Or or you can go to Barbagello, Wanneroo Raceway and follow the link. Which one? Nobody knows. It's a mystery until you click it and then go, no, that's not the link I needed. And it's carco.com. Raceway. It, 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 there's another one there. Yeah. Uh, there are five, Mark, five entries for Lakeside, hmm. including one called Lakeside Peak. Hey. So someone had a little typo there. And don't start me on Sydney Motorsport Park where yeah. there are 10 variations, including four for the Gardner GP circuit or the Sydney Motorsport Park Gardner bracket GP and bracket circuit or whatever ridiculous and then there's the results themselves which are printed on a 1980s dot matrix printer what happened to a little bit of control a select all select font aerial save not hard to make it look like it's in the modern ages it's a small tiny little thing but we are so far behind the rest of the developed racing world when it comes to our results system and the benchmark and because I've been using it quite a bit, is Alcamel, who provide all the timing to IMSA and to the WEC. And would you believe it, when you go to the website, you can download a PDF of nicely formatted results and you can get all this other information. It's amazing stuff. Just oh, mind-blowing. So my not this week is the fact that our race timing interface, the system itself at the track is fine, the interface that we have to interact with every week is terrible. So get with the program. My apologies to that other mob at Morgan Park that I bagged last week because it seems like you have someone who's just as capable as you are now. They are just as... No, well, they're bad in different ways, Shebex. Mm. We don't have a decent system here. In fact, you know I think the best is? Is CompuTime, who do all the Australian superbike stuff. That's a pretty good system, but... You get a PDF out of that, don't you? You do get a PDF. All I ask for is a little nicely formatted document that looks nice and isn't printed in dot matrix, but... Um, no, but the dot matrix thing, that's each letter is the same space. That's what I'm just telling you. Don't care, Mark. Try run a, uh, try run a social media exactly. campaign for a category that's running. Correct. And you're not there. Every other 
race timing service in the world can use a nice font and a little bit of bold and separate the driver from the car and oh, it drives me mad. Anyway, that's my not for the week. Thanks for listening to my TED Talk. So, once again, he's done it again. He's absolutely sprayed it. That's great. Um, surprised you didn't take my number one knot, so I, I had backup knots because I, I swore that you were going to tee off at this one because you teed off at it last year. You did a whole feature unpacking the latest Formula E TV oh, campaign. I haven't even got to that. Oh, no. I Did was saving. Um, no, no, I don't. You, you. I would I can, love for you to do I this. I can describe it in six lines. So it starts out with a bird in a cage. The bird appears pissed. Uh, they then drop a Formula E car at the back of a cargo jet. <laughs> the driver then jumps out of the car and opens the parachute. More agitated birds, but there's more birds this time, and they're really pissed. The car then smashes into the ground, and the title pops up on screen, Progress is Unstoppable. What the hell is that? So you, you're watching the Formula E now, boys? Like, I, I understand. Yeah, I see this? Boy, it's just Why? It's oh. like they, they went to the most art house person that they could find, and they've gone, we need... A race car, a, a plane, and angry birds. And some and angry birds. Who thought dropping a car out of a plane and then crashing it into the ground at 200 miles an hour would be a good ad to go, yes, let's go car racing? I'd say progress is very stoppable by the ground. It, extremely. <laughs> the gravity. <laughs> this, oh, wow. Isaac Newton has questions about that ad. Right. Uh, no, I'm glad you did that. I, I'm, I'm going to write a story about it because Please. it's deserves to be uh it deserves to be talked. I mean if you can extrapolate it out for more than six lines but oh, uh no that covered yeah. it all beautifully um oh, my actual knots for the week uh Long Breach Grand Prix Friday practice there was no curb at turn five Saturday there was and then Callum Eilat and Renus VK hit the curb and shunted so that yes. was suboptimal um rain outs in Melbourne Melbourne does not do rain you get 20 mil of rain the place is six foot underwater and no good um lots of speedways were cancelled speedway carts and also the drag boats at Carrum were flooded out which is they race in water don't they yeah uh, <laughs> they, they were 100 on Saturday and then they were flooded Sunday <laughs> so that didn't go well and c combining my hot with the rally and the rain leeches leeches are a knot oh um, but perhaps the biggest knot, and I mean, you've, you've had some big knots here the last couple of weeks, Richard, but this one I think takes the cake. So the rally was based in a tiny mountain town called Nuji, which is on the road to uh, Mount Borbor. And the mm -hmm. Nuji Hotel is absolutely famous in these parts of the world. Every four-wheel drive you see getting around town has a Nuji pub sticker on the back bumper bar, like it is the, the place to go. So I got very excited. You know, the rally service park is next door to the pub. It's sold out entry, 80 entries, all the crews, everyone's in town. It would have to be the biggest day all year in Nuge. And the rally ended about four o'clock as the rain was starting to come in and build up, uh, which clearly flooded out the boat racing the next day. So you're the Nuge pub. What do you do on the day of that everything happening in town? Close down. Would you book an outdoor wedding at three o'clock that would then close the pub for the night? Would you? Would you do it? Oh, that is the biggest knot we've ever had. Seriously? Wow. Like they could have sold all the beer that's ever been gone through that pub 
and they had a wedding on. Like they would have uh, needed, they would have needed to qualify it as the most highly alcoholic wedding of all time to turn away all those punters. Seriously, what what was going on? I don't have a knot. Oh, this is twice well, in a well, row I'm now. I'm on holidays, so I haven't really <sighs> been into it. So nothing's really upset me because I've just been chilling. I'll throw another hot in, and it's one I oh, forgot, yeah. is uh, live Speedway on Channel 7 Saturday night on 7 Plus, the final round of the WA Series. So well done to Dean Neal and his team who are live on the 7 Network and free. So uh, get on board. Good stuff. Marvelous. Enjoy the rest of the week, gentlemen. Excellent. Uh, we preview Perth next week. Yeah, we will look forward to it. And uh, thank you for joining us right here on The Grid.